You're listening to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast. Thrive is an MBSF college ministry on the campus of the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. At Thrive, we empower students to engage in their relationship with God through mentorship, friendship, and the discovery of their purpose. For more information on our gathering times, including our events, small groups, and weekly worship, visit us at thriveuark.com or follow us on our social medias at thriveuark. This week, Jack continues our series entitled, Seek First. Add it up. Yeah, so if you're following along in your Bible, um, go ahead and jump into Matthew 6. It's kind of where we're going to be, kind of previewed that earlier with you. As far as um, kind of sharing a little bit before. So anyway, um, to catch you up, if you haven't been here, um, hadn't been following along with us, we've kind of been in this hybrid piece where we're talking about a couple different pieces of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and, and really a lot of, uh, at least tonight in Matthew 6, is the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And that's a teaching, gosh, man, it's deep. We've talked about that a little bit, kind of the, the iceberg type theory where there's, there's moments and times where, where Jesus speaks on this issue and the depth of it. I mean, there's the words, right? And you could take the words in many cases literally and just listen to it. What, here's what it says. But then there's also the teaching of that and the expounding of that. That Man, it goes super, super deep. Um, and so some of this um, kind of where we are here, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what we'll read tonight uh, is a piece of that. I won't scratch really, in my opinion, the surface of it. But anyway, I'm going to give you a few things to think about. One of the things that's interesting to me, too, though, is that this follows up, right, the Lord's Prayer kind of something we talked about last week. I hope that you had a chance to pray through um, the Lord's Prayer. If you didn't do that, that's great homework, right? Is to pray through the Lord's Prayer for the next week. And so what I mean by that is, of course, um, literally pray through it and, and say the words out of Matthew 6, if you, you know, uh, go through there and, and pray those words, but then also the meaning besides each of the pieces, right? Um, so our Father in heaven, so begin to pray like, what does that mean for him to be a heavenly father? And it says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean for, what, is it, what in the world does that even mean? Will your name be holy? What does that mean? Well, I want to encourage you to search that up, figure it out um, and pray over that. And what does that mean for us to revere his name as holy? And so anyway, he finishes that teaching, pray like this. You ought to pray, you ought to pray this way. And he kind of moves on to this next section. And this is one of those pieces that quite honestly, there are some places within scripture, right? And especially when, when Jesus is teaching. But to me, this is one particular where if we read it, especially in the English language, um, it kind of seems a little discombobulated. It seems a little bit like he's bouncing around, um, but maybe not so much. And so let's just read it together. Uh, in Matthew 6, 19, it says this, do not store up. Treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where the thieves break in and steal. Verse 20 says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. I want you like if you've got that in your Bible, if that's not underlined or if you're taking notes that that's a phrase you ought to write down. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking on it tonight. It's just not where we're going um, for this for this particular time. Um, however, that is something that you need to look at. And I forget the term it's leaving me right now. But that's one of those statements where 
it goes both directions. What I mean by that is, you know, it's wherever your treasure is, then your heart's going to be, right? But I'll tell you this, wherever your heart is, your treasure probably is going to be. Does that make sense? And so this is a completely side note, um, but this is a great point. Anytime you ever talk about this, like literally your treasure. Um, so if you start thinking about like, what does that mean for you? Um, for some of you, it's a paycheck. For some of you, it's a possession of some sort or something like that. And he is talking a lot about possessions right, through, right in, this, in this section, in this area. Uh, and it's kind of almost maybe the, the beginning, scratching the surface point um, where he's at. And so one of the things I would tell you is, if where is your treasure? Where's your treasure? If you want your heart to be in something, I'd suggest putting treasure there. And so for some of you, that might mean that you, you money. And for some of you, it might mean, like I said, it's a possession of some sort. But, but whatever you value, that's where I would suggest if you want your heart to go somewhere, put your treasure there. So if you want to follow after God, you want to seek his kingdom first, which that's the verse that we've been going back to this entire series, this entire time. Matthew 6, 33. Right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Right. So if you want to seek his kingdom first, I'd suggest putting treasure there. Uh, if you want your heart to be more there. Then put treasure there. But then also, if you need an indicator of where your heart actually is. Where's your treasure? Right. That's a tough conversation sometimes, I know, especially for college students. I don't have much. Yeah, you're right. But what do you have? Because you got way more than what you think you do. And at the end of the day, and at the end of tonight, my question is, whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you pursuing? What are you trying to go after? And so that's a great question right there and just that, that phrase, uh, it's a big deal. So he moves on to verse 22, which almost seems like it's going a different direction. Uh, and it says this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In my translation that I'm reading out of the NLT exclamation point, right? Uh, we'll come back to that. He moves on. Verse 24, almost switching gears again, says no one can serve two masters for if you will hate one or sorry for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve just in case you weren't clear what he's talking about up to this point. You cannot serve both God and money. Right. It's where we get in some translations. Right. You get this phrase that the love of money is the root of all evil and things like that. And so but you cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other. Right. That's an interesting piece. That's another one of those Jesus teachings where Jesus teaching is so multilayered. Right. We can take you can read about vine and branches in, in like John 15 and some other places. And like you can use that as pruning techniques in case you didn't know how to garden. Jesus can teach you how to garden. Right. I believe, you know, like I don't think that was the purpose. That was the intention. But like that's what like you can you want a vine to grow more. You need to prune it. You need to trim it up. Right. In the correct way. Uh, it, it has this way of growing. If it's not producing fruit, guess what? Go ahead and cut that thing off because it it's probably not going to produce fruit. Um, that's a gardening practice. Um, I've, I've learned some of that through doing a little bit of gardening on my own. Um, but that's not really what the intention was for, right? It has a deeper spiritual context. 
The same things right here where he says, hey, listen, you're not going to serve two masters. Not just not going to happen. You're not going to have two lords. I mean, we, we got all kinds of different times where we could maybe even theorize this in a modern context and say, yeah, I got a boss and I got this and I'm going to listen to my mama or daddy or whatever. And I got them I'm going to listen to. But then I've got my boss over here that I got to listen to. And then I got the university professors or whatever that I'm going to listen to. But at the end of the day, like your, your loyalties, they're going to come to a head at some point in time. Mama says, come home. You know, might be mama that's in charge. Right. And so. There's something to be said about that when he says you're not going to serve. You cannot serve two masters. But then he gets even more specific in that last phrase, right? It's like, just in case, like, yeah, sure, that's true. But just in case you need a clarification on what we're talking about, you cannot serve God and money. Right? That's a tough one, too. I would say for those of you who are in here and just as I was thinking about talking to you and your particular faces, your particular stories, um, right now you'll all, you're all agree with that. Um, by and large, I don't think that this is necessarily a teaching that's probably going to revel. This, that particular talk right there is not probably going revolution, to revolutionize your life tonight. But 15 years from now, 10 years from now, you may struggle with that more than what you thought you would. And so it's one of those times, and I have conversations with you guys, uh, counseling sessions, do all kinds of different things like that with, with several of you. And we talk about some different things that you're going through. And, and for some of you, this is some of that deep teaching that needs to take deep roots in your heart and your life now. Because it's really going to matter as much. I mean, it's important now. I don't mean to, to undermine that or to say it's not. But 10 years from now, possibly 15, 20 years from now, you need this. We need to, as a matter of fact, we're, let's do it. Let's just do it. We're having fun anyway. We'll, we mix things up. We're going to stop right now. Not my plan, but, but we're going to stop right now. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would recall that back to you 10 and 15 years from now. It may seem odd to you, but I know it's possible. You won't remember tonight. Uh, you will have forgotten me. Um, <laughs> you'll have forgotten that, we, you know, us hanging out in this old church and that kind of whatever. Um, but we'll pray that the Holy Spirit recalls that to you because I've, I've, I've experienced in my own life. I've experienced within other people. The what's going to happen to you, most of you. And the next 10 and 15 years is not going to be like brand new revolution, uh, revelation from God's word, especially for those of you who've been around it for a long time. There's a lot of this teaching like this, for instance, what we've just read. You've heard it before, a lot of you. That's not going to be the most difficult thing that you deal with. It's like, oh, wow, I've never heard this brand new teaching from the word of God. It's really going to be. Bethany, are you going to listen to it? Kata, is it really going to be what you depend on? So let's stop and pray for that. Bow your heads. God. We cannot serve two masters, God. He says in your word, God, I know it's just convicting in my heart and life. We cannot serve. We cannot love both God and money. And God, it's, it's my conviction right now, Lord, that the guys in this room, 
maybe that's not a huge struggle with them in the moment. But God, long after they forget tonight, and they don't remember the details and all this kind of stuff, and possibly 5, 10, 15, 20 years later from now, God, it's possible that they're going to be trying to figure out how to pay the mortgage or where they're going to live. God, what they're going to do. God, are they going to stay in the job that they're currently in? And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that, God, you would bring this back up like a, like a spring that gives life in the middle of a desert. God, that they would remember, I cannot serve both God and money. I cannot love both. And so it's your kingdom. God, it's your righteousness. And God, I'm going to have to trust in you that you'll add whatever I need. And so, Father, I pray that you'll give them recollection on that a decade from now. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, we'll stop right there with the teaching from, from Matthew 6. But then I want to go back to this piece because it's an interesting piece, kind of almost right there in the middle, right? Because he, talks, he starts it off about treasures in verse 19 and, and, and possessions. It's very clear. It's explicit. You know, there it is. And then he has this couple of verses that it seems like it goes a little bit different direction. And then he goes back to a very clear teaching on you can't, you know, God, money, be careful. Money's not wicked. Money's not evil. It's a tool. It's a great tool. It's an awesome tool. I hope God blesses you with a really big tool, <laughs> lots of tools and money. And I hope you're a great steward of it. I absolutely do not think that money is wicked. You know, for the, for the hope and future of Thrive, I hope you guys become alumni, you give back to it. I mean, you know, I think it'll be great. Um, you know, pay for more, um, you know, other staff and, and, and buildings and whatever we want to do and reach into other students and all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of things we'd love to do, right? Money is not wicked. Money is a tool. It's a terrible God. Okay. But then he has these couple of verses. And it says this, right? Your eye is like, a, is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Now, that's one of those that if any of you are kind of headed toward optometry or you, you, you know people who are optometrists, I would love to kind of know the scientific background because there again, Jesus' teaching is multi-layered, the whole vine thing I told you a minute ago, whatever. Um, I'd be curious to know from uh, that kind of standpoint, and I haven't had enough time to like really research in on, on the scientific side of that, like what does that mean for light to go into your body through literally your eyes? That's not the premise of the teaching, so that's not where I've spent a whole lot of my time. Um, but I would bet that there is something to be said in that moment. So those of you who enjoy that, nerd out on it, I think it'd be good. Um, go look into it. But he says that when your eyes healthy, your whole body's healthy. When your eyes unhealthy, and those are the two terms that I want you to write down, I want you to think about, uh, that they're going to put a slide up here for you. Because those, there's two adjectives right there, healthy eye and an unhealthy eye. There's two adjectives and those, um, there's a slide with four pieces there. There we go, boom, there we go. So the good eye, that adjective is haplos, which I'm not pronouncing that Greek word correctly. Um, plus there's, anyway, whatever. Um, and then paneros. 
That's the, uh, that's the unhealthy bad eye. Okay, you look these words up. If you, if you want to write this down too, I didn't put this up here, but if you want to look up G573 for haplos, for uh, Paneros, G4190. Okay, and it's going to take you a little bit different place. But anyway, if you want to look those up. Um, so we got this idea of the good eye, simple, single, fulfilling its duty, right? Like, like it's doing what it's supposed to do, correct? I'm glad you guys are looking at that, not me, because like I hate, by the way, that's one of my pet peeves. I hate eyes. Um, I don't know why. Like seeing her, putting her contact in, it's making my eyes water. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I have many of those, but there are some that like, yeah, I, was, yeah. Um, I don't want to watch you put in contacts. Lord willing, I'm not going to wear contacts. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> anyhow, um, so I'm not going like, to, I don't know if I can keep turning around looking at it. Um, but um, the idea of kind of like properly folded together, that's kind of the root words. It's alpha is, is part of it. And then I don't even know how those two join together. I wish I knew more Greek, but I don't. Um, but I do know that there are, there are some words that we lose, right? There's some words we lose in the English translation. We just translate it. We just read over it really quickly. And I'll just tell you this too. Like that's, to me, this is another one of those little tidbits that the word of God is so deep. And it's so good. And you spend the rest of your life studying it. And I promise it's going to be like there again, that well, that's going to just keep giving life. But if we begin to kind of look at that and think about that idea that he says, give me the good, like, I want that you, I want you to have that single good eye. And that's not just a single like numero uno. That is like that, that single steadfast heart. The, the part that's like, it's focused, Right. And so I'm going to give you a couple of verses that kind of that use those words. And so Ephesians 6, 5, just so you kind of understand a little bit more of the context. So in Ephesians 6, 5, it uses a similar word when it's talking about slaves and how they should obey their masters. And it says that your earthly master, um, you should you should serve them with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely. Serve them sincerely is the same word right here. As you would serve Christ. It's that focused. It's not a simple minded as in a fool. It's the simple focused. Like everything else shoves away and I am locked in on this is what it's about. This is what we're doing. And the other one of the other things is in um, Paul in 2 Corinthians, he's he's teaching about false teachers and he's worried that they're going to lose their focus. And here's how it he says in, in verse uh, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3. It says, but I fear that somehow your pure undivided devotion. That's the word, the undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Ah, here's a nice little exegete back that Paul does. He says, just as Eve was deceived by, and by, by the cunning ways of the serpent. And he's saying like they, get, they had some problems. They had different people coming in. They were teaching all kinds of different stuff. And Paul's saying like, oh, I hope you can cut through the crap. I hope you can see through the junk. And my fear for you is that you're going to be torn away and that your undivided attention, your simple single mindedness, your focus on who God is and his righteousness, that that's going to be messed up. Just like Eve back in the garden when everything was going great. And the serpent kind of caused her to question the word of God. And maybe think, ah, you know what? Maybe God is holding out on me. Maybe there is more if we eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And so that's that word. So it carries a lot of weight. There's a lot there. And the next word, epineros, it kind of has the idea, right, of a bad eye as in a, a dysfunctional, something's wrong, right? Some of you wear glasses. Um, I, like I said, I don't. My, my wife and daughter wear glasses. And so we've gone to, uh, you know, visits with them and you see like the different issues and problems. I've got, I, I will end up having eye problems, I'm sure, because I got it on both sides of my family, cataracts and glaucoma and all that kind of stuff. And so, but basically that disease or something that happens to your eye, my brother actually has this weird kind of eye deal. He has uh, eczema kind of on his body in different places. And one of the things that messes with him is he actually has eczema on the skin of his eye. Um, and so at times his eyes will just like irritate him and bother him and he thought that he was having vision problems but then as they actually like really look in close it's actually just like people can get kind of a, a rash on their skin you can get it on your your eyes and so it's something that's it's not working correctly right it's messed up it's it's not doing its intentional good and 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 you know and I know right? well I mean especially for those of you who have eye issues I'm going to put you on the spot. What's, um, do what? Yes, that's exactly why. Because you're Asian. Um, <laughs> yes, I can't see you. Are you going to open your eyes? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, no, so, <laughs> y'all should have seen his face of yeah, opening his eyes. Anyway, are you nearsighted or farsighted? Uh, the one where you can't see far away. Okay. Nearsighted. <laughs> yes, so you can see near, right? So what's wrong with the far sight? Like if you're driving down the road without your contacts, how is that a problem? Right, right. It's bad. Um, yeah. Well, so Hannah, are you nearsighted or farsighted? Nearsighted. You're nearsighted as well. Um, anybody else? Anybody farsighted in here? Farsighted? Nobody's farsighted in here? All right. All right. So, so either way, right, you kind of you, you go in, in, in one direction or the other. But like the, the, if you're nearsighted, I can see right here. But like something that's off in the distance, like it's all blurry and I can't tell. Maybe I can't react fast enough. Spiritually, think about that for a second. If you're spiritually nearsighted, which means I can see what's right here. But I don't know if God's really going to be available five years from now. 10 years from now. I, I, don't, I don't know if God can get us through the next four years. <laughs> or, or what if you're, it's the flip side? You know, yeah, eternity is going to be great and I can't wait till God sets his rule and his reign and we got a new heaven and a new earth and man, that's awesome. But I can't make it through Calculus. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through college. I don't, we're not going to make, you know, I'll never get married. Like, there, there's a problem with your perspective. And here's a couple of verses that I found very interesting with this. As a matter of fact, I, I want one of you kind of to, to read it here. Somebody, somebody follow along actually in, a, in a, a, your real tangible Bible here. Abby, read for me Matthew 6, 13. What's that say? Okay. So that's the end of the Lord's Prayer. 
right? And he says, rescue us from what? The what? The evil one. Actually, what it really says is rescue us from the noun version of that word. Rescue us from having bad eyes. Rescue us from having, and it's not eyes in, the, in that context, but it's rescue us from that. God, rescue us from messing that up and not having the correct perspective there. And there's several other places that it's, that it's used throughout there. But as you begin to see, it's, it, when Jesus begins to speak right here, he's not taking a break from this passage as he's talking about possessions, as he's talking about, because why? Because for you and me, like, like that's important. You know, and, and, and it's important that you have some security. It's important that, you know, you, you, you guys want a job, you want, a, you, you want stuff, all that kind of thing. But, but, but he says, hey, listen, you've got to pay attention right here. Don't miss this. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from Paneros. Deliver us from having the wrong focus, the wrong attention, having our eyes fixed on what it shouldn't be fixed on. Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah speaks in, it in Isaiah 39. But the story of Hezekiah is one we've been bouncing back and forth to. And I'm not going to spend a long time here. In community groups, you're going to talk about it this week. But something happens with Hezekiah and his story. And we see it, I, I, I most notably see it in, uh, well, in Isaiah 39 and 2 Kings um, 20. They, they parallel each other really well. But he's been, he's had a problem. He got sick. We don't really know exactly what the illness was or the sickness was. But, but in chapter 20, you can see it in 2 Kings there. And, and Hezekiah is deathly ill. He's going to die. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah delivers the message to the king. He's bad enough, but God speaks to Isaiah. Hezekiah, he tells Hezekiah, or Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, you're dead. You're going to die. Um, and so Isaiah delivers that message. He's remorseful. He leaves. Hezekiah is broken for what's going on and repents and prays and seeks God. And God speaks to Isaiah to go back and tell Hezekiah he ain't going to die yet. And Isaiah shows back up to Hezekiah and lets him know you're not going to die you're going to go worship. Matter of fact, he, you're, going to, you're going to be so much better. You're on your deathbed, but three days from now, you're going to go worship in the temple. And Hezekiah has the audacity. I just, it's an interesting piece of the story here. One of those you can read through, but like he has the audacity to say, give me a sign so I know this is true. How about you don't die? You know, that's a pretty good sign. You know, you're still alive. Means I was right. Um, but he says, give me a sign cause outside my window. I can see the tower of Ahaz, my father and cause the sun to come back up on the steps 
10 steps. Really, not much there, buddy. Um, you want me to alter the, the direction of the sun so that you know you're not going to die. And God does. God causes a miraculous thing, and it's only a couple times within Scripture that God causes the sun to move in a different pattern. But that's what it says happens. And you go back and read it, and it's quick. Not a whole lot of verses spent there. But if you let yourself think about that for just a second, the sun reverses its course. Shadow goes up on the steps in a way that it shouldn't have. And then it moves on. And Hezekiah knows what Isaiah has said is true. All right, good stuff. Well, for something so miraculous to happen, there, are some, there were people watching. And not just people of the kingdom who found out, oh, our king was going to die and now he's not. That's awesome. But there were also the Babylonians who were uh, astrologers and had a, you know, watched that kind of stuff like crazy. Somehow, this is a piece where it does, it just kind of moves forward. But somehow, some way, the Babylonians find out Hezekiah, one of our, you know, allies or whatever, like he got better. And I mean, you know, we've talked about this here in Empire and Babylon and Egypt and Judah. Judah's a small fish to fry and don't know how in the world they've lasted this long, but it's taken the note. Babylon and Egypt, they pay attention. They're like, wow, these guys have stayed here. And so Babylon sees also Hezekiah's gotten better and something happened because the sun changed its course. And it happened at the same time that Hezekiah got better. That's something crazy. We should go check that out. And so the leader of Babylon sends his messengers and sends a group of dele delegation to, to Judah to praise him and find out what's going on here. And so they do. And something happens in this moment. It's a part where I sympathize and man, it breaks my heart for Hezekiah because he did so many good things. But he screws it up here. Because what he does next seems like, and for years I've just read this through and I didn't catch anything. But Hezekiah shows the Babylonian people who come everything. MTV Cribs, you know, opens up the door. This is where the magic happens. Um, like, I mean, just everything. Here's the storerooms. Here's the temple. Here's where we keep all of our stuff. Our children go to daycare at this time. Like everything. Here's our water supply that we hid from everybody so that if we get, to you know, city sieged, you know, then we can live for a long time. And... It doesn't say a whole lot about it, but it also doesn't say that Hezekiah gives glory to God in any of it. And it really comes across as prideful. <laughs> hey, you guys are celebrating me and what my kingdom has done? Well, let me show you. Come on in. Oh, you got to see this and you need to see this. And where it ruins them is that Isaiah sees them leaving. Hezekiah, who was that? What did you show him? 
Really? Hezekiah, those people are going to come back here and they're going to carry off every bit of this. And every one of these people in the city are going into slavery. You just gave them the keys to the kingdom. You just showed them every weakness. Your pride and arrogance just ruined everything you've worked for. You need to go back and read that. And my question kind of to go back to that and, and how we've looked at where the eye is, is what kingdom are you trying to build? Because at the end of this, it's really hard. Like Hezekiah did some amazing things. We started this series off with and we got a little bit more to, to wrap up on um, next week. But, but it really, man... He did some great stuff. He stood up and I really wanted to make a big deal out of that. And I hope, you know, maybe maybe you've, you've caught some of it that that his father and his father's father, they were wicked people. And so for him to step up at 25 and for the, the, the tenure of his his uh, leadership, for him to constantly kind of fight back on some stuff and to, to reestablish worship in the temple and that Yahweh, the God, the Lord, we're going to serve him alone. We're not going to tolerate idolatry. We're not going to do any of that kind of stuff. Like that's what we're going to do. That's a big step forward. That's huge. And then to be as small as they were in just the cultural climate that was going on, political climate that was going on in their day and time, that was all a really big deal. But at the end of it, it's hard not to think that Hezekiah, did, was he seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness Or was he seeking his kingdom first? And I sure hope God blesses that. There's a slight difference, right? Hezekiah felt like, well, what? The pagan worship and all that kind of stuff, that didn't really work well for my dad. Our nation's oppressed. We got these people that we're in pretty much in bondage to. So why don't we try something different? And I'm not saying that that was really his intention and heart, but at the end of it, man, it sure looks that way. And my question to you is, are you seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness? And there again, that might be a question that might be better suited for you 10 and 15 years from now. Because it's possible that your greatest Goal and achievement right now is to get out with a college degree so that you can begin your family and begin your thing. And none of that stuff is bad. And you having a great career and, you, and that's not bad. Just like money is not bad. But if that's your primary concern, if that's your main heart's desire, it's idolatry. It's, it's not following God. And there's a lot of people who, there's a lot of us. And it's not, as easy, it's not as easily done as it is said. For us to seek God's kingdom first in His righteousness. 
It's real easy for us to say, well, you know what? I'm going to be godly. I'm going to do some good stuff. But at the end of it, in your heart, it's really about your kingdom and your desires. And, you know, I'm going to follow God as best I can. What's at the root of it? Because you would do well to look deep and to dig deep on it at this stage in your life. As opposed to allowing that seed to continue to grow. And then all of a sudden, 10 and 15 years from now, you look back and you're like, man, what happened? God used to mean a lot to me. My relationship with him, man, it used to be really good. I'm not really sure what happened. And it might be, because at the end of the day, it's really about your kingdom. It's really about you building your desire and your righteousness as opposed to Him. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would, um, God, be with us. God, give us the ability to dig deep. God, give us the ability to have wisdom to see where it's more about our kingdom than yours. And God, I know that for the most part, for the people who are, God, in this room tonight, God, this word may be better suited for them 10 and 15 years from now. But God, right now is when they deal with it. God, right now is when they can put down a foundation. They can put down the disciplines. And they can allow that 10 and 15 years from now, that five years from now, that six months from now, that God, it is about your kingdom. It's about your righteousness. God, I pray that if it's arrogance or pride that is our bad eye, God, if that's the thing that's destroying us, God, if it's lust, God, if it's insecurities, Father, I pray that we would deal with that now. Father, it's for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.